0: Hey Coconuts, yep, today we're going to focus on the fire movement once again, but today we're going to focus on a subsegment of the fire movement known as lean fire. So what does that mean, right? Oh, fire, not a lot of fire, got lean fire, fat fire, barista fire, farmer fire, whatever lah. <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, segmentation, uh, different ideas around fire, but they all anchor on this idea that, you know, you want to get yourself to a good financial situation such that you can quit your job and do what you want to do or at least retire early, right? So, of course, we've done quite a few episodes, but um, yeah, I brought a friend on the show, Chris right, from Honey Money. Um, yeah, If you have not checked out his YouTube channel, you should check him out and he's talked a lot about this. But today, we're going to focus on this specific sub-segment called Lean Fire, which to me is highly attainable. A lot of people can achieve this. And it is not about after achieving this, then you stop doing any other thing. But I do feel that for the crazy intense kind of Singaporean life, if you achieve lean fire, or at least have this vivid understanding that, hey, you can actually do this, maybe not in Singapore, but somewhere else, you find it a lot more comfortable. And I do feel, you feel a little bit safer to live a life.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut In our podcast, Bluebunking financial myths Discovering best financial practices And discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love or managing our finances well My name is Reggie, a.k.a. chief Financial Coconut And today we have a friend on the show, Chris from Honey Money And we are going to talk about Lean Fire, right? So without further ado, welcome Chris So, um, maybe to begin, you can, uh Introduce us a little bit about yourself, Chris.
1: Alright, so my name is Christopher. You can call me Chris. I do run a YouTube channel focusing on personal finance, investing, credit cards, early retirement and all that stuff. So if you're a fan of Reggie's Financial Foconut Podcast, most likely you'll be a fan of my channel as well because we discuss similar financial concepts in a more personal manner that can be applicable to your personal life. So that's what I'm doing as a side hustle currently. Um, I do have a full-time job, but this is YouTube, right? YouTube is more like some things that I'm going to discover for myself. And maybe that's what I want to do when I have early retired. So that's a quick intro about myself.
0: YouTube is a full-time job. <laughs> the job is the, is the full-time income. It's different. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, but but
1: uh, just curious, Chris, what is the most popular topic on your channel so far? So far, the most popular topic on my channel, I'll I'll see that has consistently good views are topics about CPF and retirement. Because I guess CPF is kind of a topic that everyone can relate to. Everyone needs to contribute to CPF if you are working in Singapore, whether you like it or not. And even as a permanent resident, if you are new to Singapore, you also have to contribute to CPF because it forms part of your retirement funds in the late game. Okay, let's say um, if you're an early working adult, then CPF definitely takes off a huge chunk of it. And that's why a lot of people are concerned how... Is the CPF affecting their lives? But I don't think today we may be touching a lot on CPF. We're, we're touching up, we're on up. some other topics.
0: Okay, great. So I think today we're going to spend some time to talk a little bit about FIRE. But specifically, we want to talk about Lean FIRE. Because, you know, you went on another show... And I you can, can see, now- <laughs> uh, it's quite public. <laughs> so, yeah, Guy went on CNA and then uh, did some interview and, you know, people started flaming him. Hey, any thoughts? I'll give you a platform to to, to share your thoughts. <laughs>
1: Uh, thoughts on this uh, actually I, I was prepared to get slim because mm. personally when when i do talk about early retirement fire stuff um i believe it's really against the norm and the normal people can't see it that way right they are mm. so ingrained into their their lifestyle that um working till 65 and doing what other people are doing is quite normal and if you're going against the norm there must be mentally something wrong with you or either that you have some <laughs> privilege that the normal people do not have. Mm-hmm. So I went on the show to talk about it just to share my point of view, right? How I see as a average income salary worker. Lo and behold, some people are really inspired by it while the rest of the majority may not really understand that idea. And that led to a lot of criticism. In fact, if you look at the Facebook post, um, it's one of the most hated posts of CNA actually. Really? If I may say. CNA may actually got to know me because of your podcast, you know, because of my earlier interview, Chills with TFC, right? I did come on the show before. Mm. Talk about that 1 million by 35 target. Mm -hmm. But that was a more balanced podcast, you see, Mm -hmm. while CNA one is more sensationalized. For the general part. Of course, so, we, are,
0: we are a better production team. Apes, <laughs> I have to agree know, on that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Agree. Thank you. We have, we have juicy. Yeah, all the CNA guests uh, they all take from us one. They confirm going through oh, our is libraries, it? like they confirm looking through our libraries. like what have we recorded? Blah, blah, blah. Because all of them are repeat. Or almost all <laughs> of them are, right? So but hey, very good. Very happy that a lot of the guests are going onto bigger platforms. So yeah, CNA, maybe you know we can we can do some collab. Like, don't, don't flame too much. If not, no more collab.
1: <laughs> but for yes, sure, yes we,
0: sure. yeah, yeah, focus on today's topic. I think we, I, when I saw that you, you went through all that, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I should get Chris on to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, and today we want to focus on lean fire, right? Specifically, it's a sub-segment of fire. So maybe we can begin by defining what is lean fire. How is it different from fire?
1: So fire, I think you can classify it into a few different categories. One of it is lean one of it is fat, right? So lean meaning you are, you are living on a very skinny type of budget, you see. It's as simple as it gets. Fat fire means you have a lot to spend, okay? You can spend lavishly. You can spend in abundance. Lean fire generally means you have a tighter budget. You cannot spend as much as what the bigger fire people are doing because your fire is so small, Very lean. <laughs> right so it's really living on a tighter budget but that doesn't mean that um, you are poor you know because the fact that you are able to fire that means uh, you already have quite a sizable investment portfolio that is generating cash flow for you such that it enables you to really quit your job and depend on a very uh, minimal expenses lifestyle and that will be called a lean fire are
0: you are you already at lean fire or are you like working working towards it? Because I, I, I am already at, at lean fire. That means if I do the lean thing, then I'm done. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, To yeah. be honest, uh okay. To be honest, I never really look at uh lean fire. Uh, because mm. my purpose was always looking at barista fire. I always wanted to like what the do hell is a barista else. fire? <laughs> Tell barista. me, what bro? There's all sorts of fire out there. It's a barista. Fire. Too many types. Too many. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Barista fire. Um, it's not what you think. It's not like you need to work <laughs> as a barista then you can fire. <laughs> Contrary. Was what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, yes. Contr- yeah, it's, it's quite the opposite, right? It's because you have quite a good investment portfolio size. That's why it can enable you to be a barista. Now, um, not putting down on any barista right here, but barista generally don't earn like a high salary, right? So, mm-hmm. if, if you were doing a barista job for full-time, um, you will not be considered like really the affluent community. And, if that is your interest and you want to do full-time, sure, go ahead. I mean, it's really your passion, right? But, if you want to like, tell your wife, I want to quit my job to be a barista, she will be crazy shouting uh, at will you, right? you, If you can tell your wife, okay, I make sure I have a $1 million portfolio, then I go and be a barista, then maybe your wife is not so unhappy because she knows that at least you have something, you have an investment going on that can generate sufficient cash flow such that you don't have to rely 100% on your barista job. And that is why it's always like a balance, you see. You can earn a lower wage while your investment can give you uh, sufficient cash flow to pay for other expenses in your life. So that was barista fire.
0: Okay, great. So that is barista fire. We can talk about that another time. But focusing on lean fire, right? Chris has three points for us. Uh, what is point number one? One of the major important thing that you need to know when you're looking at lean fire.
1: So the number one most important thing is how much do you need to actually live comfortably? Okay, because... Keyword is comfortably, com- right? Comfortably, yeah. Uh, very yes. important. Must stress comfortably. <laughs> comfortably, yes. <laughs> Not living poorly in unhygienic and stay... Uh dirty conditions, you don't even have a shelter, uh. live comfortably mm. in a clean place, clean shelter, sufficient food, all that stuff, basic needs. Okay, because enough is different for different people, right? Exactly,
0: okay, exactly. So, so I, yeah. I I, I want to push a little bit on that. Like what is that isn't that a c isn't that considered quite a stereotypical way of uh Comfortably, hey, because if you are a farmer, right, that means you you farmer fire. I don't know, you know, like same same uh, idea as barista fire, right? You, you, I, heard start, like, you I yeah. Anyway, like. hey, there's something like that also. I just yes, thought of yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 We extend the topic. Okay. Let's say you farmer fire and you go to, you you go work in the farm. You go into the suburbs. Like I've been traveling to a lot of all these kind of smaller places, and you 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 see lots of farms around. Right. Definition of comfort then becomes very different. You know, like like it's it's it's. I mean, you cannot expect the farm, the farm to be squeaky clean, right? You're in the farm. <laughs> Everything is dirt, it's fertilizer, you know, it's mosquitoes, it's everywhere. All right. So, so you know, I, I think, I think that's, the, that's the part that we need to really clarify on what is considered comfortable.
1: Yeah. So comfortable is that uh, you don't have to scream on yourself, meaning that you need to look at every expense and see, okay, maybe today I need to eat cup noodles. Maybe tomorrow I need to eat white bread with Gaia. Okay, no, comfortably means that at least you can um, afford three meals or maybe two meals for some people who are intermittent fasting that they don't have to really sacrifice their lifestyle. Okay, because if you are sacrificing your lifestyle for fire, I think generally that is not very healthy in the first place. Secondly, you don't derive that enjoyment, right? Then people will be looking at you like, what's the point of firing early when you are living so cheapskate? it's not really about scrimping on anything like cheapest price and all that. Um, it's more for looking at the best value for money. Okay. Because best value for money uh, is quite different from different people. Um, I, I know in the past, we always say something like hawker center food is very cheap, very affordable. But in recent times with inflation, uh, can, can you really say that hawker food is is very cheap? So, so last time we always say hawker center food, most affordable, but I think recently, if we look at fast food, uh, you can start to see that if you actually look at their value set meals, actually, they are quite value for money because they come with drinks, they come with fries, come with everything in an air-conditioned environment that is comfortable. So do you want to enjoy your meal in like an air-conditioned environment, having your fast food? Or do you want to enjoy your meal in a hawker center where you have to find seats and then you have to buy your drink on a separate, separate purchase? I think that is for your our uh, own comparison of value. I think the dynamics have shifted, right? We, we cannot always look at um, the absolute cheapest because that's, although that may be the cheapest in price, but that may not be the best value. Definitely. And
0: I, I think people, different people value it differently. I mean, I've asked many people, right, how, how do they spend their money and how do they value things? And you realize that there's a mirage of different ways to value. And it's not just about, like what you say, it's not just about cheapest, it's not, not just about the volume that you can get.
1: Okay, pretty interesting. So, so then what, what is your idea of comfort then? Okay, so if we look at personal profile and demographic, uh, for myself as a salaried worker in 30s and still not married yet, still not married yet. So I would say that as a single individual, most likely your expenses are quite minimal uh, because you don't have to care so much about other people's expense, your family expense and all that. If you're talking about transportation, uh, what is comfortable to you? Um, in Singapore at least I think public transportation is super accessible so if you're just a normal salaried worker um, you don't really need a car as a single right unless you want to impress people you don't like with the money you don't have so that that is on the transport part on the food part right since you're a single uh, most likely you don't have economies of skill if you're cooking a meal uh, because when we're talking about cooking we always talk about economies of skill if you're cooking for a family it's much more uh, cheaper per person compared to eating out. So, if you're a single person, most likely you're you're eating out, taking out a loan, or you just eat what your family cooks, right? I mean, that that is the best way to save money. Unless unless you have other better ways. So, for myself, right, I think one thousand dollars, excluding family allowance, as for a single, is enough because most of your expenses are really minimal. You don't have to like go and um, keep going out. Because as an introvert myself, right, I don't have to like keep going out and meeting friends and socializing. Those are quite occasionally, but it's not like every weekend you need to hit the club, hit the bus, go for drinking sessions and all that stuff because it depends on your personal lifestyle. The more you go out, definitely you need to spend money uh, unless you're going out to a park, going to the beach, going to cycle, all these low cost activities. So I think $1,000 is quite sufficient for a single individual in Singapore.
0: The general idea is to get clarity on the life that you want or at least the current reality of your life, right? So, right, But but I think I think we both can caveat the reality that your life changes. You know, you may have a partner, you may have kids and, you know, that would then totally change what is defined as comfort, right? Because recently, I think I had another discussion with some people about uh, happiness, right? So, you know, all this like iffy, iffy topic. Right? Happiness, I was yeah. consider happiness. And uh, she was saying, oh, you know, when I was younger, my happiness is this, is this, this. And then when I get older, my happiness... You know, now it's different. So I do different things. And for me, you realize the fundamental in change is not in the habits to pursue the happiness, but it's in the fundamental definition of happiness itself. Because when you redefine happiness, your habits follow along. So if you redefine comfort, your habits will follow along. But at least that is point number one. How much do you really need to live comfortably? Okay. Give us point number two
1: yeah, for lean fire okay so point number two is how much do you need to accumulate Uh, because I think we all talk about you need to understand how much you need to spend the next step taking it further how much do you need to accumulate to generate how much you need to spend and that is a cash flow generation exercise and we can talk more about this afterward from our sponsor (laughs) (laughs) Chris avid listener
0: so he knows (laughs)
1: All right, so coming back to the cash flow generation, generally in FIRE, we always talk about this thing called the 4% withdrawal rule. Okay, Some people call it the safe withdrawal rate. And why 4%? Um, I'm not going to go in detail, but there's actually a Trinity study done behind it. But it was quite a long ago study uh, that was done in the 90s. But generally, what the study says is that if you actually have a portfolio and you are able to withdraw 4% um, out of the portfolio per year, you can live indefinitely with a success rate of above 95%. So that's what the study say, not, not what I say. Uh. Very important. Mm-hmm. Are there certain assumptions in the studies that, that you think we should know? Certain assumptions in the study is that you actually uh, put all this portfolio in investments and the investments can come in a lot of forms. Some of you invest in the stock market, some of you invest in property, but generally you need to keep it in investment and not in like non-cash flow generating assets, okay? not like in gold bars, not like in your own state property because all these things uh, uh, need to grow in value. And in order to grow in value, right? if we are just talking about investing in the stock market, uh, an index fund, that can generate you around 8% annual return. If you are taking out 4%, that means you are factoring in 4% for the annual inflation, which is quite comfortable um, if we are talking about past, past year's data, such a crazy year, right? We are, mm. we are seeing like US inflation hit as close as 10%. Yes. So yes. that is where the critics will start to come in and say, your index fund cannot even grow above the inflation rate. So how are you going to use a safe withdrawal rate and you consider 4% safe? <laughs> so yeah. that is where a lot of critics come in. So if we are using the 4% withdrawal rate, right? So let's say using my own example, um, a $1,000 per month, how much do I need in a year? That will be just 12 months times 1,000 and that is 12K. And if you take 12K um, divided by the 4% rate, that will give you a portfolio that you need of $300,000. So if you need like 1,000 SGD, that means you need $300,000 worth of portfolio for you to generate $1,000 of living expenses per month and you have a 95% success rate of continuously living on this budget with that portfolio without any... Depletion of the capital. So that is the simple um, way I would say for this 4% rule.
0: Okay, so then, um, then, then you have some people like me, la, right? Essentially we we practice the higher order, the dual arbitrage situation where <laughs> you have three hundred thousand and then you can just kind of kind of sit around, right, somewhere else. You don't need to be in
1: Singapore. <laughs> Adding to that, right, I think I want to talk about the 4% first because some people will criticize the 4% is too Aggressive. Of course, Mm. you can use your own 3% rate, right? If you think 4% is too aggressive, you can use 2.5%. That is all your own calculation. And then, if we want to take the previous annual expense of 12K divided by 3%, your portfolio needs to be 400,000. So, that is um, how you want to adjust it based on your own circumstances. 300, 400,000, actually, if you look at it in the long term, not as big of a difference but I do want to talk about geographical arbitrage because this is one thing that actually makes a big difference. It makes even more difference than the 3% versus 4% safe withdrawal rate because we are talking about high cost of living versus low cost of living cities. I I know in Singapore, everybody talks about it being like high cost of living, right? But actually, Singapore is more like a a city state that has high income, but at the same time, it has low taxes, which we will talk about, about it later, but I just want to talk about the the geographical arbitrage first. Because um, for people who don't understand what geographical arbitrage is, basically you are earning a good income from a high cost of living city so that you have enough funds for you to retire at a low cost of living city. And Singapore, the advantage of Singapore is that it is surrounded by low cost of living countries like Malaysia, like Thailand, like Vietnam, Indonesia. I'm sure people who have traveled around the Southeast Asia region will really relate, right? Somehow Singapore, when we use our Singapore currency to convert to other countries' currency and spend it in the Southeast Asia countries, suddenly our purchasing power has increased significantly. And you feel that too as well, right, Reggie? (laughs) So that is a very nice touch on the Joe Arbitrage thing. Um, But I don't want to talk about cash flow generation uh, because when we are talking about investments, we always talk about asset value, how big of a portfolio size you have. And people are always fixated on the numbers. But you heard of the saying, right? Cash is king, but not really. Actually, cash flow is king. Cash flow generation is actually more important than the asset value itself. Uh, Let's say you have like one kilogram of gold, super big amount of asset value, right? I mean, how many of you here actually have like one kilogram of gold? So, Go itself actually is not a cash flow generator. It cannot give you dividends. It does not give you interest. In fact, if you look at it specifically on physical goa, uh, it can be a liability at some point in time, you know, because you need to find a secure place to store it. You need to pay security fees on top of it. So in the first place, it doesn't generate you any kind of cash flow, but you still have to pay like fees for it to be secure in a safe or in a bullion. <laughs> so really... uh. Asset value is really not that important. It's more of the cash flow generation. Another kind of um, asset uh, is own-stay property. People always think that they want to upgrade from HDB to condo for own-stay. Uh, and then they, they feel very shocked. you know. My asset value suddenly increased from HDB to condo, okay? My property value... And they consider that part of their investment because they always say like, HDB is your investment asset will forever rise in value, right? Somehow they don't remember that For own state property, there is actually zero cash flow to talk about because you need money to maintain that property um, unless you actually rent out your spare bedrooms or you rent out the entire apartment and you stay somewhere else, like your Joe arbitrage, okay? You live in Malaysia, then you rent out your whole apartment, your whole HDB in Singapore. You have to pay for town council fees even even if you are staying in it and there's no cash flow to talk about. So when we're talking about cash flow generation, we only look at assets that can... Uh, really generate and grow itself in value. At the same time, Um, giving you returns in the form of capital gains or even dividends. So these are more like the equity side. And then for property, it's more of like rental income. So this is cash flow generation um concept that I think people should know more of rather than the asset value. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and I think one thing that I wanted to clarify is the HDB value rise forever. That was a narrative of Kuan and right? That was the old, old generation kind of narrative, right? Uh, Lawrence Wong has specifically come out before he was the main guy, you know, like he specifically came out. I remember he got flagged very badly in the early days of his career. No, because he come out and say oh, 99 years that means at the end 99 years is zero <laughs> right so he actually came out to say that i don't know how many people remember that um yeah with with, with that in mind it, it fundamentally cannot say change more like revert to the reality of the contractual mm, understanding mm. right it's not a change right it's more like okay now it's back to what it was intended for the whole idea of 99 years Right. Um. But yeah, that that's that's a that's a different discussion altogether. And I think I think we can also talk a little bit about the whole SRS CPF kind of CPF life kind of thing because when when I look at Singapore, or oh, no doubt the grind is very crazy, you know. And uh, maybe I'm not privileged enough to say about the grind anymore because I'm like not living in Singapore anymore. So I'm. I, I do come in every month, you know, to record and do my stuff. Uh, but I, I have a lot of friends lah still. So uh, I, I understand the grind is very serious. But at the end, with the pool of money, you know, with like, with some of the new policies that the government is pushing, it does create cash flow, right?
1: Following what you are saying. Okay. So adding on to that, right? Um, I think the more important period of generating cash flow is between, let's say you early retire in your 30s and up till you are 60s. Uh, That that is almost like 30 years of life that you need to generate consistent cash flow. Uh, Because once you've reached the age of 62 or 63, you can actually tap on your SRS. That is a supplementary retirement scheme. So for those who don't know what the supplementary retirement scheme or SRS is, it's actually a deferred tax scheme for you to actually... Contribute to the SRS, and in turn, when you reach your retirement age, be it sixty-two or sixty-three, you can actually withdraw your SRS funds, and it will be tax advantage because it will only be taxed at fifty uh, percent instead of hundred percent. But one thing about the tax part, I think we can talk a little bit more
0: about is the CPF life because CPF is not taxable. I think that's the that's the part that that a lot of people don't don't recognise, right? A CPF money is not taxable, whether is it when it goes in or whether when it comes out. It is no tax. That means the government is not taking any money out of, out of the CPF pool, right? They do pull the money to do whatever they need to do, like That one is a different discussion. But you know, uh, there's there's no tax around that. And hey, i I'm a big proponent of CPF life. I think it is it is great because it is actually the government saying that you know, okay, now we got to pull the power of the state to come and support the people because previously there's none of this thing. There's there's no CPF life. You're on your
1: own, right? So so, uh, big proponent of CPF life. What what are, you, what are your thoughts, Chris? I think when we are talking about CPF, especially when it's such a complicated topic, um, let's split it into two parts, right? You actually have two parts of CPF um, during the age of 55 and during the age of 65. When you reach the age of 55, we always talk about you are able to withdraw your CPF if you meet the terms and conditions. What are the terms and conditions? It is when you have at least hit the basic retirement sum, okay? That is for people who want to pledge their property. And for people who do not want to pledge their property, then at full retirement sum which is 192,000 for year 2022 only when your cpf is above this full retirement sum then you can withdraw the excess so actually age 55 is the first time in your life that you can at least taste your cpf taste. because you can start to re- <laughs> yeah I, I say taste because you always leave a bitter taste when you are young you know when you're young, you see, twenty oh, percent come out of my income. Very pain, you know, pay to the gov, pay to the government, return my CPF. All that. That's why fifty-five is when you can start to have your first taste of the CPF. Um, may not be much, depending on how much you are above the CPF FRS. But age sixty-five is when the real good deals start coming in, which is the CPF life. Because at age sixty-five, you can actually start to unlock your funds, and CPF life is actually a lifelong annuity that pays you consistent um, cash flows every month uh, until the day that you leave this earth uh, because you have saved up so much in your retirement account and it will start depleting from there. And a lot of people don't understand it. That's why they say that they can find a better annuity outside of CPF. But in actual truth, you can't because nobody can guarantee that amount of cash flow other than the CPF, the Government Sovereignty Fund. So you can see that there's a step up in this kind of cash flow coming from firstly your srs when you reach the retirement age at 62 or 63 and at 65 you can start to see cpf life payouts so you actually don't need to work so hard when you're older maybe only between your 30s and your 60s then you need to work extra hard because you don't have additional cash flow if you have planned for your retirement and save up your srs uh, contribute to srs and top up your cpf then you have a very fat retirement fund and in your 60s. And that is when uh, people start to scale down on their lifestyle. also. because it's not like when you're younger, you can go and travel the world. Your physical body is able to take up so much hardship, you know. In like 60s, maybe you want to take a more relaxed pace of life and your expense actually uh, go down. Generally, it goes down when you're older. So that is when you don't need to worry so much about the cash flow anymore.
0: Yeah, so thank you, Chris. Point number two is uh, how much do we need to accumulate, right? Essentially, based on the 4% withdrawal rate, right? So, and then we we talk about all these different strategies to accumulate cash flow, essentially, to get you to
1: where you want to go. Okay, and uh, bring us to point number three about lean fire. So, point number three is prepare yourself mentally to go against the dom. So, quite funny, right? (laughs) You're speaking about your your own personal experience. (laughs) I, I mean, it may be my personal experience, but I can assure you, if you are joining this movement, not only you will receive this uh, from someone outside of your zone, you will also receive this kind of feedback from people who are close to you, even your family and friends. Uh, Because remember the first two points, we all talk about numbers, right? How much you need, how much is enough. But the third point is something more psychological, something more mental, uh, because it's about judgment, public judgment around you. Uh, You must understand that because this movement is actually going against the norm and you need to have the mindset, the mentality to go against the norm um, because you know the normal people, uh, they will always kind of lifestyle inflate their lives when they get higher paychecks. People around you, um, they will buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like with the money they don't have. Okay, this is from a famous quote. Uh, I don't know who, who said that, but it, it resonates quite well with a lot of people because people generally like to impress other people with what they have, their material belongings, whether they have a big house, a big car, or they have high income, then they like to show off. You see, this kind of how they mentality. In fire, we are generally going against the norm because we can live better with less. It's not like we are really um, sacrificing our lives. It's more about we can really live with the bare minimum or a comfortable living without really having very luxurious lifestyle. And uh, what are you going to do after you have retired for the rest of your life? I think that is the more important question. Are you going to sit at home and play games whole day? Or are you going to just watch TV? Which is not
0: inherently a problem, right? I mean, from a yeah, personal yeah, yeah. choice level, I don't think it's an issue. Yeah, From sure, a societal, sure, sure. societal is different, right? When you're managing a society, you don't want a whole bunch of people just playing games all the time, right? But from an individual choice level, I mean, that's why, that's why I understand why governments say these kind of things, right? Because they are managing the country, and they have a different set of incentive structure. But from a personal person, you, you just want to hobo and play game. And isn't that what we spend a lot of our youth doing other than studying? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so just play game, play game. I mean, you, you brought up a good point actually because there's really no shame if you want to play computer games all your life as long as you have enough money and you don't rely on other people. You don't rely on the government. You don't rely on your family to bring in the money for you. And I, I, I want to challenge
0: you on that. I don't, I don't even think that is shame. I think that's power. It's more of a, if you rely on other people, then you are reliant on their system, right? You are reliant on their expectation, you know? But if you have all these, right, then it, it's, it's like, you know, I do what I want, right? There's a reason why the stereotypical idea of a lot of the wealthy people is they're very snobbish, you know? but but if you think about it, they have the resources, they have the power, you know, they really don't need to please you, right? So 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 <laughs> they don't need to please, they don't need to make it happy, it's fine, it doesn't matter, right? So so by by extension, I think the idea here is if you have the resources and you fire, you do your thing and you want to play game, you know, you're not relying on any other system, then, you, you know, okay, but you're relying on the financial system. That's a caveat. Huh? But you're not relying on like your family or the government, then whatever they say is whatever they say. Right? It's, it's not you. Okay? And and the, the truth is, different people are are different and, if you are very lean on certain things, you have no room to try. You have no room to play around. And I did an episode about this, right? talking about frugality, right? So how frugality is, is so accentuated. So yeah, you, you
1: can check out those things. Yeah. So any last things to add on point number three, Chris? Remember, I talk about the judgment from your friends and families because sometimes um, in your eyes, you think that you are hustling and doing something for a greater purpose. But in other people's eyes, right? You're just someone who is a lazy bum, right? Because you are trying not to work because they have worked their whole lives up to 65 and here you are doing something different from them and you will face this kind of judgment from your close close circle, okay? Even, even your friends. So I would say, once you're embarking on this journey, um, it's more important change. to... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's my uh, point, right? Because yes, you must always remember to surround yourself with like-minded people. People who are chasing the fire movement people who are pursuing ikigai, people who are having an entrepreneurship mindset because they see things quite differently from the normal salaried worker. Because the cliche thing always goes, right? You're the average of your closest five friends. So if you hang out around with successful people, people who have retired early and people who have listened to the Financial Coconut Podcast, then most likely there are people you want to hang out with and surround yourself with positive vibes, okay? you don't want to hang out around people who are always negative, criticize your ideas, putting you down uh, because that will actually put you in a very bad light and bad shape. So I think it's important to find your community in this space when you are chasing this kind of early retirement life.
0: I'm going to sum up the three points. I think Chris went to a lot of examples to get us to this whole idea of uh, finding success in lean fire. And the three points is, point number one is how much do you really need to live comfortably? You need to figure this out. Because when you figure this out, then maybe you realize, oh, you don't really need a lot because the whole idea of lean fire is what do you need, right? So that's a comfort part. There's not a lot of excess that we're aiming for versus going lean. So how much do you need to live comfortably? Point number two is how much do you then need to accumulate based on this comfort level that you're going for? And uh, so far, the standard practice is a 4% drawdown and you can learn a little bit more about some of these FIRE topics on Chris's channel. I think he went to a lot, a lot more than me, you know, on some of these things, how to calculate and all that. But a quick tip, you know, uh, maybe geo-arbitrage can work, right? It's, It's not always you live in Singapore, then you work in Singapore, you have to retire in Singapore because, hey, if you go somewhere else, it's a little bit more affordable. Maybe the amount that you need to achieve the comfortable life that you seek is reduced massively and brings us to point number three and that is to prepare yourself that, you know, you are going against the norm and not everybody will agree with you. And like what Chris said, maybe eventually you will change your friends, which I actually vividly agree, right? Eventually, your social circle will shape towards the goals that you are seeking. So yeah, with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community, telegram, group follow us on our socials. And if there was one thing I hope you can do, it would be to share this on your socials. Help us reach to more audience. We need to grow the network. We need to get bigger numbers so that we can continue to create great content and uh, fun ourselves, essentially. (laughs) So this is a business plea. As you love our network, I hope that you can help us grow and uh, share this on your socials. I'll see you next week. So yes, uh, check out Chris's channel. I think he has covered quite a lot of things and he's gone viral a few times. So that is amazing. And uh, we had a good time talking about Lean Fire. I think fire as a concept has, um, it's a thing a lot of people have bought into it, uh, especially When it comes to like lean fire and trying to like explore living in another country and all that jazz, um, I get it. I get the beauty of it, but maybe don't over-idolize it also. It could be a a target, it could be a goal. But in the process of doing it, recognize that if you're going to go very, very lean on your life, then uh, it limits yourself to explore, right? There's one other episode that I did about uh, frugality, I think it was frugality as a and A Case Against Regality, you can check out the earlier episodes. But yeah, that's it for today, okay? And of course, with FIRE, you always have to look at investing, right? And a lot of people in the FIRE landscape will look at the broadly diversified portfolio, line know? Or- just kind of whole and all the way and all that, right? So I get that and that's what I want to talk about next week. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the eighty twenty portfolios. portfolio. So I will share with you a little bit more next week and why I think um, there are some assumptions that we need to recognize and there are some assumptions that we need to think about when we are
1: thinking